0: A diverse alternative to mainstream radio with an emphasis on our local community. Two XXFM is a volunteer based, not for profit community organisation. Find out how you can support your community station by volunteering on the air or behind the scenes. Visit two XFM.org.au. <laughs>
1: A very cool little two double X promo there, yeah, Mary. I thought, uh, we
0: can, well, we can only echo that one, can't we? Volunteer and be part of two double X, and you know, have have your voice on Canberra's free to wear.
1: Well, it's numerous um, different ones. You know, I've heard three or four of either Dave and I together or individually uh, doing two double X promos. So um, it's awesome. Oh, good. Yeah, it's good hearing your voice. Spooking to doublex anyway the listeners welcome to this week's news from the drug war front which as ever are uh, presented by uh, Jeff and my co-presenter Marion. Good That's morning. That's me who That's you.
0: interrupted in the middle
1: of them. Chat that Jeffrey was
0: having. Good morning, everybody. How are you this morning? The sun's it's freezing outside. The
1: sun's out, but it's cold.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, that wind is freezing. Get yourself a cup of coffee and get yourself organised and listen to news from the drug war front. We've got some interesting stuff for you today.
1: Yeah, got a cup of coffee and burnt the hell We've out of got my out tongue. Of but anyway, let's. <laughs> I'll let absolutely that drop. not one of my favorite things okay um today's edition uh, is brought to you by the canberra alliance for harm minimization and advocacy and also the connection which is canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for uh, first nations clients News from the Drug War Front promotes the broad array of services provided by Karma, which seems to be ever-expanding, and we also report on stories relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. And we aim to promote discussion and people to educate themselves about whether prohibition is actually succeeding after 60 years. Which or, you know damn well it isn't. Well, we know it. It's a total favour. <laughs> so
0: but we want you to discuss it. Yeah? the
1: only way it's going to change is from the bottom up, people demanding a change. It's that's co- right. It's costing taxpayers money, it's costing lives, diseases, jail, you know, the whole slew of... Um, uh, well,
0: the amount of money that's spent on 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 drugs, alcohol, tobacco... You name it, anything that we um, that government doesn't want us to do, they're prepared to put money into stopping us from doing, but in a way that makes us, as drug users, aliens in our own community, in our own society.
1: Well, the change in your headspace is as old as. We human beings themselves, as well, far as uh, I can see, and
0: changing human behaviour is is an incredibly difficult thing to do. To you know, over the years, what we've tried to do, in order to stop people from behaving in a way that we don't um, agree with or don't we don't behave ourselves, is a really difficult thing to do.
1: I actually disagree with you on that Matt. So I think if prohibition was um, ended, things would. Behaviour would change very very quickly. Black market would go out of business. Cartels, there'd be a massive change in their business model. Uh, courts would change. Um, law and order, border f- security, judges.
0: Yeah, but you tried getting the laws changed first, Jeff. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. You? no, no. I'm saying, but I'm saying it. It would only take that one big decision, which would be a global change. But I'm,
0: darling, all I'm saying is yeah. the difference would be people would be able to do. What they do anyway in the open without being, you know, without being secretive about it. So, changing, we wouldn't be changing people's behaviour, we'd be changing the attitude to people's behaviour.
1: Well, I think the behaviour where people have to furtively, you know, turn to crime if they can't afford their. Is related to the laws. It's related to the laws. That's behaviour change that would happen fairly instantaneously. And I think, when I think back over. You know, my 65 years on the planet, what I've seen from the black market is just more and more drugs than ever, more and more profit, less and less concern for the health of the consumer, and um, it's just becoming more and more of a, a global menace, you know. Indeed. Narco states, um, environmental damage, like the story we did last week, which was very illuminating. Um, you know, it. it I don't, don't I think they, people realise the damage done by Prohibition. No,
0: I, well, we do. The funny thing is that, well, it's not funny, it's funny, funny, not funny, ha, ha, but funny, peculiar, is that where they may, where people may understand the amount of damage that is done, they are really loath after 60 years of propaganda and illegal attitude. Yeah. Um they're really loath to come out and be on the side of reality, moral high ground. I know? agree.
1: Look
0: it's I mean, I'm not arguing with this you. This is the just hardest saying the difficulty social. of it is not changing people's behaviour, it's changing entire society attitude to things that are unable to fight back. Like yeah. what is a drug war? And I say this oh. almost every week, don't I? What's a drug war? It's to a fantasy out, creation, it's to rubbish.
1: Justify money and you power and politics. You can't fight a
0: war against something
1: that doesn't fight back. No, <laughs> but every time
0: they make a new law or bring out a, you know, en- encapsulate a new set of intoxicants. um, the intoxicants change their structure. That's all they have to do is change one part of the chemical makeup of the drug and suddenly it's not against the law anymore.
1: Well, one of the revealing things from CanTest has been that they've even found substances that nobody knew what they were. Absolutely. Globally. And I mean,
0: when they're testing, they've got a list of things they test for and suddenly we come no up idea. with this... Protonetiziopine oh, no, or whatever They're hard to
1: read, aren't they? Or
0: that 2NCP. Uh, you know, it's, it's just sort of crazy mean, but, yeah. the things they keep on coming up with. But it's about being creative. Show me. Um, it's about, you know, give me a hurdle, tell me how high I have to jump and I'll go under it, you know, just to give you the pips.
1: Well, actually, sort of on right a tangent, but on that subject, um, five years ago, I went to an AIDS conference in Amsterdam and met um, former High Court Justice uh, Michael Kirby.
0: Yeah, great. Who um, great fought man. hard
1: to um, make uh, homosexuality uh, no longer criminal.
0: Indeed. And
1: he had the same partner for 30 years and they were visiting his parents and he opened the Input uh, Symposium. And he talked about his experiences as a judge and how he had to be careful of revealing his homosexuality yep. and how they had um, champions who were not necessarily homosexual but fought and were open about the... the politically homosexual.
0: Politically sh- gay, I think yeah. is the term it was used the at the time. change. Yeah. But Michael- Do you know, for a long time, he was anti-
1: Drug. Oh, he said that openly. Yeah, and he said, said,
0: "Do you know you're actually supporting, you know, the 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 murdering that's going on in the murder that's going on in South America by using cocaine?" Well, we didn't use cocaine, so we weren't supporting that. But that was the attitude at the time. So yeah. anyway, no, he, he confessed what you were saying. He
1: confessed very um, honestly that about he didn't. Yeah, how he doesn't feel good about some of the laws that and sentences that he passed. That. He sort of had to because that, well, that was the law. Well, that was the law. And he acknowledged that the battle to end prohibition on drugs is way more difficult than to uh, and that a, end cri- uh, you know, criminalisation of homosexuality. Sexual
0: preference, yeah.
1: And wished us really good luck and had a few suggestions and stuff, but um, he He, he changed
0: was. his attitude, though, didn't he, he Jeffrey? Did. Yeah, in the face of... I guess peer education and the success, I suppose, of peer education for HIV, yes. which was where that where it all really where it all originated, where yeah. we originated, yeah. was preventing HIV from getting out into the wider community, not just from infecting our peers, but largely because... The government didn't want the wider community to get infected, uh, or newborn
1: babies. But behaviours were changed. Behaviours were changed,
0: and as and as a result of no power imbalance between the teacher and the learner. Yeah, it was about because, and Pete was talking to me about this before the show. When we talk to our peers. Or we educate our peers, we learn about ourselves at the same time. You know, we're often confronted with our own behaviour when when we're being when we're educating or talking to our peers about drug use and safe drug use and well, staying always learn something. alive. Yeah. Always learn something. And the truth is, if you're not learning something every day, you might as well
1: be dead. Yeah. Yeah? yeah if yeah, you've
0: got nothing left to learn, you're perfect. And who's perfect?
1: Yeah, and for me as an old idealistic um, 60s type, I've always thought that the, the key issue is overturning prohibition. It, as fanciful as that does seem in reality with uh, all the prohibition. Fanciful.
0: And, yeah, not fanciful, Geoffrey, not from my perspective anyway. i just desirable.
1: Yeah, uh, solve yeah, so many
0: problems. Wish that would happen.
1: And if we could have, you know, um, heroin-assisted treatment for Older people like us, and um,
0: yeah, absolutely, you know, just
1: some dignity in your old age, and
0: wouldn't that be nice?
1: Compassion, and yeah, but it, it seems in short supply, A very short supply. <laughs> Anyway, um, do you want to run down to some of the karma? I do karma?
0: desperately. Look, there are a few things I really need to talk to you about. There's a beautiful new karma pamphlet that I want to actually do my spiel from this morning. Karma is the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimization Advocacy, and it and the connection, or Canberra service, or sorry, karma and its service for First Nations people, the connection, based at, uh, oh, here we go. Doing really well on this, knowing enough off by heart. Uh, Bell Conan Churches Centre, Shop 17, Level 154, Benjamin Way. The drop-in hours are 10am to 4pm Monday to Friday. Um, and the telephone number is Landline 62533643. Uh, Karma, Karma and the Connection provide... Peer support services, a drop-in centre, uh, the Connection, which is uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander support, volunteering and de- community development, outreach programs, training, peer education information, and the naloxone training in particular. And of course, this afternoon, it being the first Tuesday of the month, there is a an opioid overdose and reversal training program at the uh, early morning centre on Northbourne Avenue. Um, there yep. may be places I still left there. Dave, Dave said that. "If you ring six two five three three six four three, you can speak to Dave or Demo and find out if there's a position." A position for you. The training only takes about an hour. You get paid to participate in the training and you go home with the knowledge and the ability to save someone's life if they've overdosed from opioids. Pretty amazing. It's really incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, There's also the... relationship the connection between hepatitis a c t and karma who are collaborating in a program on reach teach treat thrive which is uh, inca- encouraging people to come and get tested well karma can also provide the prick test to get a blood sample to see if you are hep c positive and if and then find out whether you might be eligible for the hepatitis c Reach, Teach, Treat, Thrive program.
1: And gently encourage you to... um, Well, yes, we really
0: would like... (laughs) Exhort people to it. Hepatitis C is such a dangerous disease, but it is curable, my darlings. You can be cured of it to the point where your liver can be rendered fit for... transplant. That's the word, (laughs) transplant. I love it when I'm on a roll and can't think of a word. (laughs) But it is so important. And we have um, an article, actually, um, this week about hepatitis C, and only 50% of the people with hepatitis C in the ACT are are availing themselves of the treatment.
1: Which is disappointing.
0: And it is. Not only is it disappointing, but when you think that it's free... And it only takes between eight and twelve weeks for it to work, yeah?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a no brainer. So yeah, I guess that the up, <laughs> the upshot of your um, summary of the services is there are many and varied services and new ones coming on board. Uh, the clinic's every Thursday now. Um I think it's back on board. Yes. Um so people can go and see a doctor or a nurse every which is great.
0: Thursday between I think it's eleven and three. Eleven and three. Okay, I'm getting signals from Bill here. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, by actually, the way, speaking of volunteers, rude, we, we have we've got gone. a volunteer here with us who's being very generous and not interrupting. <laughs> and that's one of
1: the great things about um, Karma and Natasha's um, uh, understanding of the importance of getting younger people involved and mentoring people and educating them on what karma's about it's it's crucial you know we don't all last forever um sadly. <laughs> um well
0: so, yeah absolutely
1: um no it's really great all right um i'll just uh, read this and then we'll go to a quick song um news from the drug Ball front reports on new stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from australia and also around around the world um many of the articles that we feature in the program come from uh other sources including the mainstream media And the contents of this broadcast slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and does not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community, community development. Uh, There's nothing like having an advocate um, in your corner. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people so they can expect to be treated like any other citizen. Not
0: only that, but we also exhort people to stop stigmatising themselves and each other. One of the worst sources of stigmatization is actually us. We do it to ourselves. So true, man. How often do you hear somebody in the throes of anger calling another person a junkie?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Either we reclaim the word junkie and make it a positive term, or we stop. Calling each other and ourselves junkies And language is so powerful And language is absolutely Fundamental to your attitude To each other and to yourself I might add so it's a complex issue, yourself. isn't it,
1: Matt? Hey? It's a complex issue.
0: Oh God. We try Look,
1: try hard. It
0: gets more complex every week, it seems <laughs> to me, Jeffrey. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we just think about it more or we keep on reading stories that horrify us. Mm-hmm. Yeah well, or one in particular activities which that horrify me.
1: Let's take us back to a gentler time. Um, this is the birds oh, and yes. turn, turn, turn. This will settle me down. In brackets <laughs> to everything, there is a season. Believe it or not. birds, haven't yep. heard that in a long, long time.
0: No, me either, but that did settle me down a little bit, Jeffrey. anyway.
1: Good. <laughs> okay, it's 10.53. I hope we've got time for a quick uh, story about a Canberra man charged with uh, manslaughter over the heroin overdose that killed his partner nearly two years ago.
0: Yeah, two years later. That right. is a bit gobsmacking, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. It surprised me by Li- Elizabeth Byrne, uh, 25th of July. An anniversary celebration gone wrong has landed a Canberra man behind bars for the alleged manslaughter of his partner. Um, It goes on to say, uh, I'm not going to name the fellow, a 40-year-old man was arrested by police nearly two years after the death of his partner of a heroin overdose. Mm. He has been denied bail in the Magistrate Court.
0: Two years later.
1: And remanded in custody on charge of manslaughter and administering a declared substance. The accused allegedly gave fatal heroin dose um, to his partner. Uh, according to court documents, he was distraught in August 2021 as paramedics worked to save his partner in their home in Florey. Mm. Come back to me, come back to me, don't die, he's allegedly alleged to have said. Police said he later told, told them the couple were regular heroin users and that he would prepare two syringes, injecting himself first and his partner second because he did not like to administer the drug to herself. Well, she, she mm. did not like to administer the, the drugs to herself. He's alleged to have told police they bought the heroin that night to celebrate their anniversary.
0: Which is not an unusual um, activity, really, a celebratory kind of hit. Um, the man was arrested by police nearly two years after the death of his partner who died of a heroin overdose. <laughs> The court material said that he uh, reported that when she was injected, she had looked immediately unwell, and when she collapsed, he called triple zero. During one of several searches, police said he told them he bought the heroin from someone he referred to as Junkie John. Police said when they searched that man's phone, they found a message from him from the time of her death, of his partner's death. Uh, the quote from uh, the man who was arrested was, "'Your heroin just killed my missus. Come and look,' he allegedly said in the text. It's alleged he also asked if the man had cut the heroin with glucose because she, his partner was a diabetic. He is alleged to have told her sister that he was responsible for her death.' He quoted as saying, I've killed her, I injected her, she's dead, I've injected her with heroin, she's gone, he allegedly said. The police case details how she suffered terrible health problems from her diabetes and struggled with the drugs she had to take after kidney and pancreas transplant. Police said that... um, That led her to be a regular cannabis user, although her sisters and other friends said they were unaware of her heroin use, which is not unusual, I might add, Jeffrey. Court hears of the tragedy for all involved. Uh, The article goes on, the case was referred to the ACT Director of Public Prosecutions by the coroner earlier this year. The police case will include a series of phone conversations that the accused had with several different people, including one where he said he would feared police wanted to charge him with murder. Quote, I'm feeling just like they're just dying to pin me for effing murder or some shit, you know, he allegedly said. I didn't effing murder her. She was the love of my life. I keep feeling more and more guilty about her and all that because I feel like I feel like an effing murderer. The woman he was talking to said to him he's not a murderer, to which he allegedly replied, I know. The court heard that he admitted to being a heavy heroin user, needing injections every 12 hours. His lawyers urged the court to grant bail, given there was little possibility of him re-offending. But prosecutors opposed the move, arguing there was a danger he might not return to court, and that there was a risk he could attempt to influence witnesses. Magistrate Sean Richter told the court it was a tragedy for all involved, but he agreed with the prosecution and Mr Weaver will remain in custody until the case returns to court next month.
1: This yeah, was look, posted I,
0: on the 25th of July.
1: I was very sad to read that, Marion. This is really sad,
0: Devery, yeah. and I...
1: That's all you can say. It's, it's just a, yes. What, what good? Not
0: with. much that we can say, and that given that it's still sub judice. Yeah. But it is a, not only is it a tragedy; it is a great example of the discrimination. Two years later, two a, years. And how
1: bad has he felt in that time? To be honest?
0: Just totally riddled with guilt, I would think.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a shame he hadn't done Dave and Damo's training, but. Well, go. yes, not the everyone. absence of
0: naloxone. Nalex- naloxone. Naloxone. Sorry, not is a real sor- It's real <laughs> sorry. It's just it's like a mental. Um... Why have people not got the opioid overdose reversal yep. drug? It needs to be there. Just get the puffer. You can get it for nothing.
1: Indeed. Uh, we'll play a, just a quick song. This is a shout out to Dave, who is uh, Mr. Naloxone.
0: And then to the news, I would And think then to the news. Straight away. This
1: oh. is uh, the uh, Ramones, and uh, now I want to sniff some glue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Boom. Now I want us to sunglet Now I want us have sun to death All the kids want us to sunglet All the kids want sun to death
1: It's uh, four minutes after 11 and you're listening to news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Minimization Minimisation and the connection which is co-located with uh, Karma in Belconnen and operates to support First Nations uh, people. Uh, a couple of um, updates, just uh, Marion mentioned that the naloxone training at the early morning centre starts at 2 o'clock today and there are spots open. So call the Karma number and talk to Dave or Damo. Um, there's also the Reach, Teach, uh, Treat. Uh, what's the last T stand for? Thrive. <laughs> Thrive. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Um, we can do testing daily and it doesn't require um, finding a vein or anything difficult. It's just pinprick testing, uh, Monday to Friday, 10am till 4, you get a payment Um and it's only available if you've not been tested in the previous six months. But if you do come up um, as being hep C positive, as Marion mentioned, uh, there was a huge breakthrough in terms of uh, treatment uh, called um, uh, antiretrovirals, I think they were called. Um, but they got support from the federal government um, to make them um, available I mean, I think when it first came out, full cost was something like seventy or eighty thousand US. So it um, was beyond most people's reach. And um, the uh, the goal of the federal government is to eliminate um, hepatitis uh, C by twenty thirty. And I think that's definitely doable because these drugs, unlike the previous ones, which were um, had a lot of side effects, um, the ones that were sort of interferon-based, was almost like chemotherapy. Um, and a lot of people still remember horror stories about that that either happened to them or friends of theirs. So, um, look, it's nothing like the old treatments and we're working hard to try and encourage people to, um, to, to get tested find out. I mean, one of the saddest things is I've lost a couple of close friends who um, left it too late. Um, you know, just kept putting off getting tested for their hep C status. And um, these new treatments came along. They could have, you know, got cured or at least, you know, um, no longer had to deteriorate in liver the health.
0: They found out what
1: was going on. Yeah, could have found out what was going on. And that included um, some uh, very well-known people like Jenny, who was the executive officer at Harm Reduction Victoria, uh, wonderful woman. It was, um, yeah, it's just tragic loss of life.
0: And and, and needless these days. The side effects from the treatments are just non-existent as far as we know. We've not heard from people who have complained of side effects. The treatment only takes up to 12 weeks. It's available free from the Hepatitis C Council or from karma, um, and there's no reason why people should suffer. People don't understand just how debilitating hep C is mm. until they no longer have it anymore. because well,
1: it takes so Once long. Once your
0: liver operates again, you suddenly feel like I didn't know I was lethargic until I wasn't. It's exactly. like stopping banging your head against the wall and not having a headache anymore and realising what it feels
1: like to it's be normal. just brilliant. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, they're just remarkable, those treatments, and we can only encourage people. to look, The testing of blood these days is simple pinprick tests from your finger. No longer do they have to take, find a vein, which is often a problem,
1: or particularly a for biopsy, older huh? injectors, <laughs> yep.
0: let alone for younger ones, Um It's us, the pinprick blood test, you find out if you're hep C positive and follow up with treatments, as I say, that, as we say, are free and available to anybody who wants to access them. Just get
1: yourself tested. Indeed. I couldn't agree more. I thought we'd whip over to New South Wales. We know there's been a recent election and uh, uh, Labor were elected. And there's recently been some gangland violence and quite a lot of quite shootings. A piece, yes. And uh, this piece, which uh, Bill found for me, um, uh, from the 29th of July by Heath Parks Hupton, says police say the common thread linking Sydney's gangland shootings is drugs. So it looks like they're blaming New South Wales okay. Labor for um, not getting onto the drug problem quick enough.
0: Yeah, within two weeks and fixing it. Well, yeah, how long? How long ago did they get elected?
1: It's only a matter of a couple of months. Well,
0: and Gladys Berejiklian, without wishing to be time. too damning, you know, exhorted a, an investigation into the availability of ice, and then totally ignored the, the recommendations. Recommendation. Yeah, or the report. Yeah. didn't even mention the report, <laughs> let alone the recommendations. Took no notice of the recommendations. So yeah, it's a
1: Nonetheless, and she said no to drug testing, which meant every summer at music festivals we lose around right. six and teenagers. A number of necessarily young
0: people who died at drug at festivals at, just, just It was just tragic waste.
1: Anyway, anyway, goes on to say the morning execution of drug lord Alan Meradian in Sydney's eastern suburbs just over four weeks ago left police vigilant that an escalation of underworld violence could be on the horizon. Officers began knocking on doors across the city as they tried to get ahead of any plans for retribution. One month on, and after three shootings in five days, the top police brass are maintaining they have not lost control of the streets. There's a picture of um, two people who were uh, shot and killed on July the 27th. The brazen attacks are the latest flare-up in a series of conflicts uh, within the city's criminal milieu to result in bullets fired and cars set ablaze in suburbs from Bondi Junction to Elizabeth Hills over the past three years. Mm. Police believe the most recent incidents could all be connected to the drug trade. I haven't got that one, Jeffrey. You remember? Oh, you haven't got that one? Okay. No. All right. Sorry, I'll pass it on. Uh, yep. You can do a month of violence. Mm. Okay, one
0: month on, is that it? Yeah. One month on, after, and after three shootings in five days, the top police brass are maintaining they have not lost control of the streets. Uh, Fering Stemler, but there's a photo, um, and a, another man, both died on July the 27th following separate public shootings in Sydney the brazen attacks are the last are the latest flare and the latest flare up uh, in a series of conflicts within the city's criminal milieu to result in bullets fired and cars set ablaze in suburbs from Bondi Junction to Elizabeth Hills over the past 3 years police believe the most recent incidents could all be connected to the drug trade Month of violence, the article goes on. Just over a week after Moradian was killed, two men survived a daytime shooting in a Marrickville barber shop. Then, last Sunday, three people were shot in a, quote, targeted, unquote, attack in Greenacre. All three of the victims were rushed to hospital, where 25 year old uh, Le- Ahmad Al Azam later died. Police believe this week's shootings could be connected. On Wednesday morning, criminal lawyer Mahmoud Abbas was shot in the leg outside his home. He managed to make it inside to call an ambulance. It's not suggested Mr Abbas is involved in criminal activities. In the early hours of Thursday, a 28-year-old man was killed after being shot outside his house in Canterbury.
1: So it's building up.
0: Yep. A student walking past the body of a shooting victim, there's a picture of this is from oh that's right, two students. I saw that photo on the ABC actually. A mother living nearby awoke to the sound of gunshots. Hours later she was shocked to see Stemler's body still on the road uncovered. She's quoted as saying, I had to go in and wake up my daughter for school, she told the ABC. I had to prepare her because there was all police tape and there were reporters. The Director of New South Wales Police State Crime Command, uh, Detective Chief Superintendent Jason Weinstein, is leading Task Force Magnus, which has been established to oversee investigations into the public shootings. One of its biggest jobs will be breaking, quote, the wall of silence, end quote, surrounding organised crime circles. New South Wales Police Commissioner Karen Webb said the task force would work on, quote, the assumption, end quote, that these incidents stem from conflicts within the drug networks, arising after Comanchero figure Meridian's death on June 27th. Quote, it's of a grave concern, and I want to ensure the public we take this very seriously, she said. No one wants this in their streets, and no one wants it in their suburbs. Police have also been investigating a series of kidnappings, and claim they've been able to prevent seven other assassination attempts in recent months. Police Minister Yasmin Cadley has assured the public that the state's investigators were "quote throwing the kitchen sink" at curbing the latest spike in violence. Yeah, they're saying all the right
1: things. I found out the copy by the way. Sorry about that. Um, The next subheading is the gangland war, in uh, quotes, narrative. narrative, Yeah, and I think mainstream media love a narrative. They do. Since August 2020, there have been 23 targeted fatal shootings across Sydney, which police believe are linked to the underworld and organised crime. Police have been eager to downplay suggestions that all all the deaths were part of an ongoing gangland war between rival gangs and say statistics show gun crime is at a 20-year low. Detective Chief Superintendent Superintendent Weinstein told the ABC that some of these incidents were totally separate to the high-profile conflicts reported in the media. But he said there was a common thread, a struggle over Sydney's lucrative drug markets. We know for a fact what's behind it all. It's a claim for drug territory. It's about the distribution of drugs across New New South Wales, which is what we were saying in the Big picture, you know. Yeah. So it's just what's currently happening in New South Wales. Seven of the first nine alleged victims of suspected organised crime shootings since mid-2020 were linked by name or association with the rival Hamzy and Alamadine Medine networks. Police intelligence tended in court documents connect- connected the deaths of a whole string of people. Um, one death was a case of mistaken identity, while another innocent man was allegedly collateral when assassins came for his teenage son. That term, that often
0: collateral, damage, collateral damage, just rubbish. American
1: military use that, yeah. don't they? Uh, the alleged October 2020 murder um, of the older brother of notorious gangster Bassam um, led to fervent media reporting about the existence of a new gangland war, sparked a major crackdown on New South Wales police, with both the Hamsey and Alamedine networks largely dismantled and alleged senior figures forced into exile or custody. So the police say they're doing a good job, Marion, by the sound of it. What a surprise.
0: Um, Detective Chief Superintendent Weinstein, or Weinstein, take your pick, but they're both, <laughs> the wine and the stein are both spelt the same, said tensions between the Hansi and Alamedine families had simmered for years before a dispute over a local drug run-in a local drug run allegedly led to the shootings. While that conflict was in the news, other criminal groups saw an opportunity to, quote, settle some scores from an old or fill the void, end quote, created by weakened networks. And the um, Detective Chief Superintendent goes on to say, and what happens is some of the other organised crime homicides have nothing to do with those two groups. There's something separate totally, altogether, at once, at the same time, simultaneously, he said. It's a collision of people trying to push into areas which may have been weakened because we've arrested people or we've taken syndicates out. He believes one part of the narrative that has been lost is that police have laid charges in, related, in relation to 14 incidents. More than 80 alleged organised crime figures have left the country due to the pressure placed on them by investigators since 2020, Detective Chief Superintendent Weinstein said. Do you know more about this story? Tell us about it, they're inviting people.
1: Yeah, look, it sort of concludes with some stats and theories about what's really going on Um, and they accept that not every shooting is a serious crime, that they might not all be related to drugs and money, uh, but they're also saying a recent survey of wastewater samples from around the country showed oh. Sydney uh, was the cocaine capital of Australia. So yes. um, I'm very suspicious of.
0: Well, and yes, yeah, the wastewater t- it, testing has always been a bit of an issue for me. It, it rankles with me.
1: It's expensive and it's very.
0: Uh, it doesn't not say much. No. It doesn't tell us an awful lot, but it is something they can refer to. Yes. If they're looking for data, if they bothered to ask some of the peer education groups, they might get a different different kind of story. Yep. Um, And maybe a more sympathetic approach, although it's very difficult to approach shootings sympathetically. Well, that's true. But you might need to think a little bit more, a little bit in a deeper way about what this drug war is is resultant from. Yeah, what it's what is causing it and what is creating these shootings. It's not just about the drugs, it's about people, greed, territory and yeah. the fact that we cannot use some drugs without being involved with this kind of scenario. and guns.
1: I agree. It concludes that the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission uh, estimates that Australians spend uh, $10.3 billion a year on illegal drugs, which is effectively lining the uh, pockets of organised crime syndicates. However, it also said significant seizures of cocaine took as much as two tonnes off the market in 2022 compared to pre-COVID times. Uh, It saw the price of one kilogram of cocaine hit more than uh, 400,000. So essentially, I think it's very unfair for the mainstream media to really be hammering the Labor government to be coming up with a solution to this in five minutes.
0: But then we do know that the mainstream media is never particularly sympathetic of the Labor government, and they certainly wouldn't have made this kind of a yahoo. I mean... How long have those shootings been going on for? You know, oh, it's it's always been a part of about Sydney. Yeah. eighty people having fled the country and a number of people being shot. It's not about a Labor government. It's not a governmental thing apart from the
1: legislation. Yeah,
0: which the, you know the government is capable of
1: introducing. Well, what about Roger Rogerson and you know the show Blue Murder? Absolutely, but, you know, there was p- that, it was police how, shooting. For how many privilege? years
0: was Robin Atkins? Um, the new Premier of New Premier. South Wales yeah. and the incidence of crime during that time was monumental.
1: Yeah.
0: And right next door to the police station. It's exactly like a on Golden Street. street yeah, yeah. Where they had um, gambling, you know, setups. And now that that's no longer against the law, though there's another way of making lots of money.
1: Yep. And it certainly is. Uh, if you lots of money. keep
0: something illegal, it will produce you with a lot of money by you know make a lot of money for you simply by being involved in it. But also, you will subject yourself to, subject yourself to, actions, violent actions
1: from other people who are jealous who of your your money. turf. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, Bill has picked this uh, Animals track, uh, House of the Rising Sun, absolute oh, great. classic. Yeah, nice yeah. pick. <laughs> Children. classic pick there, Bill. Uh, the Animals and House of the Rising Sun. That's just oh, that's a, a pure classic, isn't it? Isn't it, Bob? Okay, it's 26 minutes after 11 and you're listening to News from the Drug War Front from Studio One to X F M, People Powered Radio 98.3FM With Jeff, Marion, and uh, Bill, checking out how things are going here. Okay, um, off to Singapore, and this is very disappointing given that um, some journalists from Singapore came to the Harm Reduction Conference in Melbourne in April. And and did a good report on it. We read her report, didn't we? Yeah, it was excellent. Anyway, this is uh, first woman in 19 years hanged following drug trafficking conviction. Critics have been outspoken in condemning uh, the move. Singapore carried out its first extension ex- execution of a woman in 19 years last Friday and its second hanging this week for drug trafficking, despite calls for the city-state to cease capital punishment for drug-related crimes. Activists said another execution is planned for next week. Uh, Sarah Dury Germani, 45, was sentenced to death in 2018 for trafficking about 31 grams or around one ounce of diamorphine or pure heroin, said the Central Narcotics Bureau. It said the amount was sufficient to feed the addiction of about three hundred and seventy abusers for a week just five years she 's been since she 's been sentenced to death jeffrey that 's a long time That's a long time they 're pretty tough in singapore mm. singapore 's laws mandate the death penalty for anyone convicted of trafficking more than five hundred grams of cannabis and fifteen grams of heroin. Jamani's execution came two days after that of a Singaporean man, Muhammad Aziz Hussein, 56, for trafficking around 50 grams or 1.7 ounces of heroin. The Narcotics Bureau said both prisoners were accorded due process, including appeals of their convictions and sentences and petitions for presidential clemency. So, all, all the proper procedures mm. were followed. Human rights groups, international activists, and in the UN have urged uh, Singapore to halt executions for drug offences and say there is increasing evidence it's actually ineffective as a deterrent. Singapore authorities insist capital punishment is actually important to halting uh, drug demand and supply. And human right, uh, rights groups say it has executed 15 people for drug offences since it resumed hangings back in March 2022, an average of one a month. Anti death penalty activists said the last woman known to be hanged in Singapore was the 36 year old hairdresser, also for drug trafficking in 2004.
0: Mm, more people face the death penalty is the next heading. Transformative Justice Collective, a Singapore group that advocates for the abol- abolish- abolition, it should be abol- abolishment of capital punishment, said a new execution notice has been issued to another prisoner for August the 3rd, the 5th this year alone. It said the prisoner is an ethnic Malay citizen who worked as a delivery driver before his arrest in 2016 who was convicted in 2019 of trafficking about 50 grams or 1.7 ounces of heroin and his appeal was dismissed last year, it said. The group said the man had maintained in his trial that he believed he was delivering contraband cigarettes for a friend to whom he owed money and he didn't verify the contents of the bag as he trusted his friend. The High Court judge ruled that their ties weren't close enough to warrant that kind of trust he claimed to have had for his friend. Although the court found he was merely a courier, the man still had to be given the mandatory death penalty because prosecutors didn't issue him a certificate of having cooperated with him, it said. Hmm. Quote, but how could he have cooperated if, as he told the police and the court, he had not even been aware that he was being used to deliver heroin, Hmm. the group said on Facebook, which is a pertinent point. point. The group said it condemns in the strongest terms the state's bloodthirsty streak and reiterated calls for an immediate moratorium on the use of the death penalty. Punishing the wrong people is the next heading or the last heading. Critics say Singapore's harsh penalty punishes low-level traffickers and couriers who are typically recruited from marginalised groups with vulnerabilities. They say Singapore is also out of step with the trend of more countries moving away from capital punishment. Neighbouring Thailand has legalised cannabis while Malaysia has ended the mandatory death penalty for serious crimes
1: this year. So they're getting out of step with their um, regional neighbours, by the sound of it.
0: Jeffrey, Is it. sometimes I feel like it's a population control issue more than just a, 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 a penalty for trafficking in drugs. Yeah. Don't you?
1: Yeah, I think there's an element of that, definitely. Yeah. Just uh, it's a it, very authoritarian city state. In,
0: well, yeah. indeed. I mean, you get fined for not flushing the toilet or from spitting on the ground or you putting do. your chew- chewing gum on the seats. You know, yeah. there are some really strict laws in Singapore, and it is a very crowded, very small amount of territory with a lot of people in it. Yep. Um, so, and I, I know it probably sounds a bit like a. Um, a uh, uh, conspiracy theory, but I, it Don't does drugs, sound <laughs> a bit like a uh, a population control. Yeah, you know? it does indeed.
1: Targeted population control, I might add. I'll play a quick song, given that was about heroin. It's the ruts and HIs, which is uh, heroin eyes. It was the ruts and HIs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've got a very good piece, which um, probably uh, should have got to a bit earlier, but it's from ABC News by Charlie McLean, posted 28th of July. Uh, Most Canberians living living with hepatitis C have not accessed uh, the cure, according to experts. There has been a cure for hepatitis C since 2016, but the latest figures indicate that more than half of those Canberrans with the condition have not started using it. Hepatitis is uh, defined as an illness that inflames and damages the liver and it comes in five five different forms. Australia is committed to eradicating two of those, type C and B, by 2030. Whilst there is no cure for type B, there is an effective vaccine. Currently, the focus is on driving awareness of the curative treatment for type C, with former sufferers saying many might be wary to access it due to the memory of former treatments, sufferers uh, can be wary of these new treatments from memories well, of interferon. Be. I think it's a big part of the story. Yeah, Sarah Ahmed, executive director of Hepatitis ACT, who we had on the show two weeks ago, uh, yes, said she believed many of those who had um, had hepatitis C for some time might be hesitant about getting the cure due to the legacy of past treatments. The traditional cure for hepatitis C was something called interferon. And from what I've heard, it was a very taxing treatment regime. Karen, a Canberra resident who used to suffer from type C, said interferon side effects were almost unbearable. Indeed. It just made you feel dreadful. It interfered with your day-to-day tasks and you became quite ill, she said. She said many people with hepatitis C simply chose not to get treatment. You'd had to weigh up well, I've got kids to get to school or I've got to get to work myself and I can't afford to take time off. Since starting to take the new treatment, which comes in tablet form, Karen said she'd not suffered any adverse side effects. She strongly encouraged people to take, take advantage of a subsidy offered by the ACT government. Quote, it's quite an expensive treatment, so being able to access that is one of the biggest pluses there is, she said. Mm. Here. hear.
0: More needs to be done to raise awareness is the next heading. Advocates are hoping to use World Hepatitis Day to spark greater investment in awareness campaigns about the cures and treatments available for Hepatitis C. Karen said it would have taken her much longer to get the cure if she'd not worked at a drug and alcohol rehab centre in Canberra. She said from her perspective, there was little marketing done to reach those who did not have her level of access to information and care. Mrs Ahmed said it was important to hear from people like Karen about their experiences to reassure sufferers that they would benefit from the treatment. But she said more needed to be done to cut through. Quote, if we have sustained treatment in the sector in community-based programs, we could well be one of the first nations in the world to to eliminate Hepatitis B or Hepatitis C, she said. She also urged those with Hepatitis B to seek treatment. Less than one in five of those living with the illness were receiving care. Mrs. Uh, Ms. Ahmed said people should not think treatment was pointless just because there was no cure. That's for hepatitis B, of course. And people who are working on developing a cure, she said, so we never know, we might have a cure in the next couple of years.
1: Well, there's no excuse if you've got hep C or think you might have. Get tested and get on the treatment.
0: And and if you don't know, find, find out. Find out. Yeah. It's a, a pinprick test. Either go to the Hep C Council, or which is in out. Termina, or go to Karma, which is in Belconin. Have the pinprick test. Find out if you're Hep C positive. And if so, find out what's available for you. Um, and if you can access it and how you can access it, it's simple, it's free and it's available to anybody who seeks it. But first, you need to find out if your hepatitis A positive. A simple pinprick test will tell you that. Yep. So please, please, if you think you have hep C, or you and you can get it again, yes, you so can. you can have it more than yeah. once. So if you've shared needles or come into contact with any blood products, um, if there's any risk of you having contracted hepatitis C or B. Get a
1: test. Get
0: yourself tested. It's really important, and not only is it important, you can get cured of hepatitis C.
1: Incredible. Okay, I'm going to pick a song. It's uh, my favourite guitarist of all time, Jimi Hendrix, and it's an acoustic version of Hear My Trainer Coming, uh, Jimi Hendrix. think I'd do that? <laughs> Jeffrey. Oh, I well, look, Jimi Hendrix, I remember the first time I ever heard him play in the HSC, um, you know, room for HSC students at uh, Trinity Grammar because I'd gone to an all-male school before I finally got evicted. Ah, <laughs> that explains out. it. <laughs> Went to Trinity and finally got to interact with women. It was amazing. Yeah, I bet it was. But that was Hear My train Trainer a- Coming by Jimi Hendrix from the album Blues. Okay, there's a quick story about uh, Mexican soldiers have seized almost 10 tonnes of liquid methamphetamine that was bound for Australia. More than nine and a half tonnes of liquid methamphetamine hidden in mezcal bottles were bound for Australia and found by soldiers in Mexico. The massive shipment was found on a Liberian flag vessel at the Pacific coast port of Manzanillo. The 7,200... 7,200 bottles were marked as artisanal mezcal, an alcoholic beverage made from distilled agave. That's a cactus of some sort, isn't it? Yep. So far this year,
0: Mexican... The juice from the cactus from... the... anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So far this year, Mexican marines have seized more than 124 tonnes tons of meth nationwide. It would not be the first time that Mexican cartels, which dominate the international trade in meth, have tried to smuggle drugs to Australia or in liquid form. In 2022, officials in Hong Kong seized about 6 US million dollars worth of crystal meth concealed in a shipment of electrical transformers that was bound for Australia from Mexico. Days later, they reported finding 1.8 tons of liquid meth stored in bottles labeled coconut water that had arrived from Mexico by sea. Wow. The haul, estimated to be worth 140 million US, was Hong Kong's largest ever meth seizure. So they obviously looked at Australia and thought, "Hmm, uh, there's not, a go. There's yeah. a go.
0: Well, look. If we keep on advertising Australia as a great market, it's going. Someone's to Someone's going to fill it. Yeah, they're going to be finding ways to get into us. And if we join hand by hand in hand, Jeffrey, I've said this before, we can't surround our coastline. The population cannot protect the coast, or can't protect Australia if we stood. If the population stood hand in hand all the way around our the coast, coast we, we wouldn't got. make it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, staying overseas, Colombian president's son arrested in money laundering inquiry. Nicolas Petro held as part of investigation into funds he allegedly collected from drug traffickers during the 2022 election campaign. And this is from Associated Press in Bogota, from Saturday the 29th of July. The son of the Colombian president has been arrested as part of a high-profile money laundering investigation into funds he allegedly collected from convicted drug traffickers during last year's presidential campaign. The president, Gustavo Petro, a former rebel who rose through Colombia's political ranks as an anti-corruption crusader, said he would not interfere with the investigation. Petro said in an early morning message on X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, quote, As an individual and father, it pains me to see so much self-destruction and one of my sons going to jail. As President of the Republic, I've assured the Chief Prosecutor's Office that it will have all of the guarantees so it can proceed according to the law. End quote. The arrest of Nicholas Petro is a large blow to the government, which has been buffeted by conservative attacks at the same time as it has struggled to maintain bipartisan support for Colombia in the US, a longtime ally in the quote war on drugs, end quote and the fight against illegal armed groups. The investigation stems from declarations made by Nicholas Petro's ex-wife, Diciris del Carmen Vasquez, Váquez, Vasquez to the local media outlet Samana this year. In the interview, Vasquez said she was present at meetings when her husband arranged a donation of more than 6000 600 million pesos, about 120,000 English pounds sterling, from a politician once convicted in Washington of drug trafficking and who was seeking the Petro
1: campaign's support to resume his political career. That's especially sad because he was the first left-wing president ever. In Colombia. That's some, right, yeah. and
0: and is seeking to legalise the availability of cocaine yeah. or yeah. to make it legal for pe- for People farmers to grow it yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, she said President Petro was unaware of his son's dealing and that the money he collected in his campaign's name was kept in a safe at the couple's home in the coastal city of Barranquilla. Nicholas Petro has denied his ex-wife's claims and said they were unfounded. The Chief Prosecutor's Office said in a statement that Nicholas Petro and his ex-wife were taken into custody on orders of a court in Bogota at about 6am local time on Saturday, said that the prosecutors would seek their provisional detention once they were brought before a judge while it investigated the two for money laundering. Well, so she dropped herself in it at the same time as dropping her husband in it.
1: Does seem very odd. I wonder it?
0: how much you got for dropping him in it.
1: Yeah, a bit of a falling out.
0: <laughs> well, ex-wife.
1: You were going uh, to mention the art group. Um...
0: Yes, I did want to say that. I forgot to say at the beginning when I was promoting or uh, telling people about Karma's um, activities, that there is an art shop workshop beginning, a three monthly art group, and lunch for people aged forty and over. Um, ask about. Ask us about it at Karma on 6253 3643 and we'll see you there. So ring and find out what's going on. But art groups are always good fun and if you have lunch as well, well, that's just a bonus. Yeah, it's an but expansion. It's easy of... to learn and it's a really terrific activity and particularly for older users or, or older customers, it's a great incentive to get people to come in. Learn how to... Do stuff with paint and
1: craft works. Takes you to another headspace as well. Absolutely.
0: Just find something else to do, dear.
1: Yeah. It's one of the great things Natasha has brought.
0: Indeed. Yeah. And her capacity to teach is really, really out there. She's a very good teacher.
1: It's her birthday today, by the way. Oh, is it happy
0: birthday, Natasha? I
1: think we should do a shout out. Yeah.
0: Big shout out to you.
1: Hope you have it. She's
0: a great woman.
1: Yeah, indeed.
0: Great bonus to karma.
1: All right, might play uh, a Bill Withers song. This is, uh, we played Ain't No Sunshine. It's a classic. I like this one too. It's called Use Me, Uh, Bill Withers.
3: They're see use me up
1: was uh, Bill Withers and uh, Use Me. Okay, we're into the home stretch of this week's News from the Drug War Front with Jeff Marion. And uh, Bill, is has been a real pleasure as a guest. I've got a, uh, a little piece. I didn't get the whole... Uh, story because it's behind but a page. we did tell area. you
0: we'd keep you up to date with what's happening with Duterte and, you know, post-Duterte
1: areas, but what's happening in the Philippines? Well, it says the dismissal of charges against four police officers accused of killing civilians in an uh, opium tokang operation justifies the need for the International Criminal Court to continue its drug war probe, a lawyers' group specialising in international law, has stated the Office of the Ombudsman this week dropped both criminal and administrative charges against police officers. These four officers are accused of killing four civilians during the conduct of its anti-illegal drugs operation uh, in August 2016, obviously when Duterte gave them the yeah. green light. One civilian who survived the incident by playing dead later testified against the cops, but he was also arrested and accused of shooting the police personnel. i bet. Uh, he was cleared by Kazon City Court in March, so wow. that's good.
0: So this was when, like, 2016 was when, when the Philippines was still part a of party the, to the ICC was
1: yep, yep. right? So and Duterte thought, well, nothing's going to happen to me. I can... No,
0: well, he pulled out, didn't he? And when was it, 2018 but or 2019? Over halfway through his term, when he pulled out of the ICCs and said, well, that's not nothing to do with us." I think he got worried that it might get a bit close to and him, and it has done. Yeah, they're still charging him.
1: What's the point of International Criminal Court if they can't actually investigate these sort of crimes against humanity?
0: Well, it's an interesting thing, but they did actually get that guy, that Serbian guy. That yeah, Milosevic. Was, yeah, and, and they've,
1: um, he's been jailed. Karadz, Karadzic, he's a military guy. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and some African leaders. That,
0: yeah, they've actually, but they've, they've got to be really careful about when they're in power, you know how they can charge people when they're in power, and they are an international organization, which of course makes them subject to yeah. veto yeah. by particular like countries who have the power of veto. The states do, Russia does, China does. They can just Isn't it funny say, those No, we're not going to do that.
1: Aren't signatories to the ICC? They often call for it to do stuff, but they're not actually signatories. Yeah, a bit hypocritical. No,
0: is it a, no it's a real worry, and I think when it comes to i mean look at singapore as opposed to what's happening in malaysia and the discussions we've had on that it just what what can you do as an international organization to say to an individual country you may not kill your citizens <laughs> you know, you're not allowed to have capital punishment. Well, we might think morally we have high ground there because we no longer kill anybody yeah. when, after they've been in or jail for a while. at least with a charge
1: or some evidence or something. But the
0: United States still has people on death row and oh. have had them on death row for tw- up to 20 years. More people
1: incarcerated than anywhere else. And
0: then find out from DNA that they're actually innocent. Yeah. bit late when they're dead to try and reverse the sentence.
1: Well, they've spent 25 or well, half their life in jail. <laughs> That's a worry. All right. Um, I hope uh, the range we've flown through some um, a range of articles, hope we've found something of interest uh, to you. Get tested if you think you may uh, have been uh, exposed to Hepatitis C and we'll be back again next week. Or
0: Hepatitis B. Week.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, indeed. Um, we'll leave you with the theme, so- theme song, sorry, um, <laughs> The Stranglers. Gold- and
0: we will talk to Gold you back. next week, we hope. So yeah. look after yourselves, my dear. Stay safe. Don't forget... Get some nixoid and we'll talk to you. Shout out to you all
1: next week. And thank you very much for coming in, Bill.
0: Thanks, Bill. Yes.
2: the ages she's heading west from far away stays for a day never found